Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for tonight. Lord God, we give you honor and glory, Father God, for the opportunity just to open up your word, Father God, to worship, Father God, to hear from you, Lord. Lord, I pray for each person that is in the sanctuary tonight, Lord God. Let their ears and their spiritual understanding be open, Father God. Let it be quickened and alive, Father God, tonight, Lord Jesus. Lord God, we we thank you, Father God, for this precious, amazing Father, week that we have to rejoice and celebrate, Father God. Lord God, we thank you for the liberty that you gave us on the cross, Lord God. We thank you for the freedom that you gave us, Father God, when you rose from the dead, Lord God. And Lord, we ask you tonight, Lord, as we um, as we receive from you, Lord God, Lord God, that we would go out of here um, changed, that we would go out of here empowered, Father God, that we would um, leave, Father God, with a freedom, Father God, and an understanding, Lord Jesus. And we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So it is a powerful week and it's a precious week. It's, there's kind of no words really to describe what takes place this week. And it's solemn. It is solemn. It is a serious time that we, we stop and we reflect what happened with Jesus, you know, and we have to, and I think it's appropriate. I don't think that we should skip by and just look straight to, to, to the resurrection and, and the open empty tomb, but we need to look through and go through the pain and understand where Jesus was during this week. And so I was given this topic and, and I, and I feel like sometimes a part of me is that the Lord was saying, you know, just, just, just read it, just share it, just, just explain it because you don't really have to teach so, so much into it because it's just there and and to understand and for us to understand. And so I'm going to, we're going to read through it. I'm going to talk a little bit about it and and maybe share a little bit of my, of my story, but I just want to, um, I want you to understand that this is, this is God's word. This is the last week of, of the life of Jesus. This was a time that he was preparing. So we're going to open up to Matthew chapter 26. I want you to have a Bible in front of you. If you don't, that's okay. I want you to um, look to the screen with me. I'm going to take off these bracelets because they're bothering me. Matthew chapter 26. We're going to start with verse 1. Amen. And so we're going to be talking about two different, we're going to be talking about two stories and, and, and they're the same story, but they're in the, and they're told a little bit differently. And, and just like I would tell a different story than my husband would, this is how these men saw it. They, there were the disciples that were there at this present time, but they saw things differently. I don't see the same things. You know, I notice things. I come home and the house looks a mess and my husband comes home and the house looks great. And he's like, what are you complaining about? You know? And so we see things different. Right. And so this is what's going on in these two stories. They saw it differently. They understood it differently. They picked out little things that were different. And what's interesting about it is they're written by two men. And it's, they're very precise in, in certain things. But for some reason in this particular story, they're not very um, precise. So we're going to go through two different stories. Amen. So chapter 26, it says, Now it came to pass when Jesus had finished all these sayings that he said to his disciples, You know that after two days is the Passover, and the Son of Man will be delivered to be crucified. And then I'm going to skip down to verse 6. And it says, And when Jesus was in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, a woman came and having him came to him having an alabaster flask, a very costly fragrant oil, and she poured it on, her, on his head as he sat at the table. But when his disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, Why this waste? For this fragrant oil might have been sold for much and given to the poor. And I'm going to stop right there. So right now we see that Jesus had just done 
a big sermon, a long sermon. The, one of the longest sermons that we have recorded is it's, it's a mount, the Sermon on the Mount, the Mount of Olives, I'm sorry, the Olivet Sermon. And so he has just given this, this, this message, and it says after these, he was done. He was done teaching. He had been teaching for three years, and now it was time to not just teach with words, but teach with his actions, teach with his life, teach with purpose. And, and you know what? There, this whole week, there was purpose behind everything that Jesus did. It was intentional. He had a purpose of where he was going and what he was doing, who he was spending his last days with. And how many know we can teach without our words? That's how our lives should be lived. And sometimes we don't have to say very much. And I've learned that in, in my life. I don't have to say very much, but it's how am I, how am I living it? And so Jesus was now had been done teaching all the teachings that he was to tell the disciples and those that were following him. And at this time, Jesus was not a popular guy. He had already offended many people. They were already plotting to kill Jesus. Jesus was already on their hit list, if you want to say. And so Jesus didn't have very many followers at this time. And so he had finished doing what he was supposed to do. He was obedient to his father. And now is the time that he's preparing himself mentally. He's preparing himself physically. He's preparing himself spiritually for what's about to take place. He knows the time is coming. He's very aware of what's about to take place this week. It didn't just happen. Jesus did not fall into what was about to take place. There was a, he knew every day what was going to happen. We serve a God that is omniscient, that knows the beginning to the end, church. He is not surprised by the things that take place in our lives. He was not surprised with these things. And so he was very purposeful in what he was about to do. And so you got to look at that and understand that. And I, and when I tell you a story, I like to explain to you what's going on. Because then you can kind of imagine and picture what's taking place with, with, with the story. And so when Jesus was in Bethany, it says, he came to the house of Simon the leper. Now that's a nice nickname. But he was known as Simon the leper. You know, he had been healed by Jesus of leprosy, of a disease that covered his head to his feet. He was literally his skin was falling off and Jesus cleansed him. We don't know the whole story because it doesn't say in the Bible, but we know that he was once a leper. His name was Simon and he, Jesus came to come dine with him. I think Jesus wanted to be surrounded by people who truly loved him. And these last days. To be around people that really supported him. Because he knew he needed this. Even Jesus being God. 100% God. He knew he, he knew he needed people around him during these last days. And we see it all the way until the end where he says, pray with me. Stay with me a little while. And so he goes into this man's house and he's welcomed into this home. And a woman comes. And I'm going to stop right there because I want to go to John chapter 12. And I, I have to read both stories because one explains things a little bit differently. And, and, and I just want to, to have you have this full picture in your head of what's taking place. So John chapter 12, if you don't turn there fast enough, it's okay. I'm going to read it. It says, then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany. Again, same place. Where Lazarus was who he who had been dead again a friend of jesus again a man that had been he had not just been healed but had been raised from the dead my goodness i don't think you can get healed more than that but he had been raised from the dead and so he's in with lazarus now we see this in john chapter 12 and he says who had been dead whom he had raised from the dead and there they made him supper and martha served okay now it's getting more specific martha is is lazarus sister 
and was the one who sat at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of oil. And so again, these are two different stories. There are two different accounts of the same story. Okay. And so a lot of times we get confused and there is many different understandings of this. And there is another woman, and I'm not going to even go into that, but there is another woman um, who is also named Mary, Mary Magdalene, that was, uh, there was another account of what she did and she anointed Jesus. But this is a different time because it's a different place. This is in Bethany. Okay. And so again, we see the, the story being played out. Jesus is sitting, he's eating dinner, and he's with his friends. And for some reason, I think Jesus was all about timing with Mary. And we understand who she was from John's account. She was the sister of Lazarus. She was the one that Jesus said, I'm going to wait to go in and heal and, and raise Lazarus from the dead. And how many know it's about timing? We want God to respond right now. We want God to say, you know, this is the time of this. But you know what? It was all about timing with Mary. Mary, be patient. Mary, wait, stay at the feet of my feet. Mary, understand and, and be, understand what the spirit is saying. And sometimes we're so about what we see and what we, what we, what we feel and what we, 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 but we don't see that Jesus is there and saying, just be patient. Just because you don't see me like this, it doesn't mean I'm not there. And so it was all about timing with, with Mary. And so she, they're sitting at the table. She's hearing him speak. And I could just imagine her heart just thumping. I have to do this. This is my opportunity. I've been hearing him speak that he's going to die. And you know what? Something about women, and, and it's tough to be a woman, first of all. How many can say amen? I just said that to Pastor John. And I said, you have no idea how hard it is to be a woman to just stop. We go through things that men have no clue, right? But you know what? It was tougher to be a woman back in those days. And so Mary was sitting there saying, man, this is, this is bad. This, is this time is just, this is rough. You know, I, I wasn't, I'm not at, not at this place where I, I feel like I'm, I, I'm able to do this. They did not, they didn't, they didn't anoint Jesus's feet. They didn't anoint his head. You know, is this my place? She was uncomfortable because at this time women were not allowed just to freely go and approach men. They were not allowed to freely go and sit next to a man to be in his presence. They were really not even allowed inside of the temple at the same time with men on the same side. This was not a free society. You think we have, um, you know, women's rights issues now. This was a serious time. And so she knew that, man, I, I could get, I could get booted from this place if I do this. But she knew deep down her heart was beating. Her heart was, she was, she felt this. This is, this is his time. This is the time that he's saying he's going to die. And I have to be obedient to what I'm about to do. So what it says is that she takes a flask of, or an oil, uh, of oil, and it probably was a. It was probably a lot larger than this because it's probably about. It was said about a half of a liter of oil that she took. 
Now, oil and, and, and spices were very expensive back in those times. It was something that it was used as a dowry. And if you don't know what a dowry is, we don't use that anymore. But it's like kind of like those, those, those promise boxes or something that you would keep. And so when they would get betrothed to one another, it would say, I'm going to give you this in order to, to marry me, in order to, you know, you're going to get all this. You know, and, and it's going to come with, you know, the land and, and all, and all of these things. And, and it was something that she probably held on to, to get married. And it doesn't say that she was married. It doesn't say Martha was married either. They could have, they doesn't say they had children. So it was something that she had that was costly, something that she had that meant a lot to her, something that she had that was, that was worth so much. And she probably carried it around. It says that they could carry it around even on the Sabbath day. And so what does she do? She doesn't drip it. She doesn't sprinkle it. She breaks it. She breaks the whole thing. And it was made out of alabaster. And it was, alabaster in itself was kind of like a marble kind of stone. And, but it was from a certain place. And, and it was a big box with no handles. And so we, we, we understand that in order to, to get at everything, she had to break it. There was no saving it. There was no keeping it, you know, scooping it up for later and, and making, you know, saving the rest of it. No, she broke it. And one account says that she broke it on his head and one account says that she broke it on his feet. But I believe she probably did break it on both. And she began to just drip this precious, beautiful smelling oil on Jesus. And I'm going to use my husband because I'm not going to touch another man. But it, she just began to just pour this oil. And imagine it just dripping just down his head. And I don't know about you, but it smells and reminds you quick. I, where was I? Where were we? And I said, this reminds me of my grandma. It was something. I think it was, a, it was, a, it was some type of fragrance. And, and I just automatically it brought me right back. I know where it was. It brought me right back to a place. Smells have a really power. That sense has a really powerful thing in our, in our head. It brings back remembrances. It reminds you, you know, certain smells of the way people's food smell or they come, you go into their house and it reminds you forever. And it brings you back 20 years or 10 years back. But again, she, she breaks this, this costly fragrant oil upon his head and she begins to anoint him. And that symbol was of, of anointing was a symbol that you would do over a, a king's head, over, over a priest's head. And so what she was doing was very intentional. Not only was she anointing him for his burial, that she, he was about to die, but she was declaring to all those in that house that he was king. He was king. Zechariah 9, 9. Let's turn there really quick. Did I get that to you? Yes. It says, rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, a fowl of a donkey. And so again, she was already, she was fulfilling what was about to come. It was that he was king. And again, I'm just telling you this story because this is what is taking place during this time. And so again, she anoints his head with, with this oil, declaring that he is king. And she anoints his feet with this, it's called spikenard. It's a, it's an oil. And I looked it up and another place where spikenard is used is in the Song of Solomon when it's referring to the king and his wife, his betrothed. 
And so it's an intimate thing that she's doing. She's not only declaring that he is, he is king, but she's also declaring that she's, she is, this is the love. This is someone that has stolen her heart. This is someone that I'm willing to break my, what I was supposed to give to my husband, what I was supposed to give, you know, as, as, my, as my dowry. This is the man that has saved my life. This is the man that I have entrusted. And she begins to do it. It's such a beautiful symbolic thing. And it says that she, she, she breaks it on his head, on his, on his feet, and she begins to wipe it with her hair. Now, I'm going to ask, where's Bella? Come up here, Bella. Because I was, I, all week I was like thinking of your hair. I was like, man, I want that hair. And when I picture her hair, I picture it like, can you let it down? women could not wear their hair like this but it's beautiful they would wear it up or they would tie it back or they would wear a covering over their head and it was just to be pro- to be proper you can turn around or you can but it was just to be proper and can you imagine all of a sudden this woman that was not allowed that was this was this was an odd occurrence to to come in and she begins to not only do this radical extravagant declaration of worship but then she begins to take down her hair something that is is to be private something that is to be um set aside for somebody that is going to see her and, and, and be her husband and be intimate with her and he begins to say she begins to let down her hair as a symbol of humility, you can sit down. As a symbol of humility, and she begins to, to put her hair and wipe his feet. And there is no, let me tell you, church, there's no perversion. There was no, it was nothing like that at all. This was her friend. This was the one that had saved her in a time where... Everything looked dead. Everything looked lost. It looked hopeless. There was no way that Jesus could come through in this one. Have you ever lost something so dear to you? And you're like, Jesus, how are you going to get, how are you going to do this? Something that you loved so dearly. Maybe it was someone. So she declares to Jesus, not only are you king, but you're my husband. And it's not, again, it's not a perversion thing. It's not a weird thing like the world tries to say it. It's a beautiful thing. It's an intimate moment between the one that has been delivered and the deliverer. Let's turn to Isaiah 54. And I was, I was thinking about this scripture. Lord is, you know, there's so much in here that reminds me of her, but it says, sing, O barren, you who have not born. And again, we don't know that she had children. It doesn't say we're not clear on the details. It says, but break forth into singing and cry aloud. You who have not labored with child for more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwelling. Do not spare, lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes for you shall expand to the right and to the left and your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. Do not fear. For you will not be put to shame. 
neither nor neither be disgraced for you will not be put to shame for you will not forget the shame for you will forget the shame of your youth and you will remember the reproach of your widowhood anymore for your maker is your husband and the lord of hosts is his name and your redeemer is the holy one of israel he is called the god of the whole earth for the lord has called you like a woman forsaken and grieved in spirit and like a youthful wife when you were refused says your god for a mere moment i have forsaken you but with great mercies i will gather you amen and with, but with an everlasting kindness i will have mercy on you says the lord and so again she was declaring what had already been declared she was saying out loud and and doing it in a in a symbolic way where it would it had already been said that not only jesus was going to be king and lord over us he was not only he was going to be crucified but he was also going to be so close and so intimate that he would be our husband that we would be our best friend that he would be the lover of our souls amen and so she was doing what had already been said what was already declared and so right now of course what comes in is those that are uh, that cannot understand that don't do not believe and right away we're going to go back really quick and i'm just going to finish up what it says but it says again remember this is right before jesus was going to do passover with his disciples this is right before that he was going to be arrested this was the moments before and he understood that what was about to take place and so he said why they asked and they were mad and they were angry and his disciples and especially Judas was upset because they understood how costly this oil was they understood how expensive this was and what it meant and so they being ignorant and they only seen what was in front of them they seen that this this was this was something that i can turn in for a price they think they think you know what right away why is this a waste why did you waste your money? Why did you waste your time? Why have you wasted your your hard work in order for for right now to give? And so it says, why was this fragrance not sold for a 300 denarii and given to the poor? They missed it. They still thought that they had more time with Jesus. He had just been teaching them so long that I'm about to die. It's going to come. It's going to happen. You know, this is what's taking place. You know, and again, it was about time with Jesus. He knew when his time was about to come. And so he she had been listening. She knew that something was about to happen. She knew that something was about to take place. She her, her ear was was open to what Jesus was saying. And so he says, "You know, why didn't you give it to the poor?" And Jesus said, "You're not going to have that much time with me." You're going to always have the poor, but with me, you're not going to have that much time. And so he says, what she has done for me is good. What she did for me was a good work. It was right. And so he says right here, for you have the poor with you always, but with me, but me, you do not have always. For in pouring this fragrant oil on my body, she did it for my burial. And it says, assuredly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done also will be told as a memorial to her. And so he's, he's reminding them, listen, you're not going to always have me. My time is coming. My time is up. And church, we were remembering this week because Jesus knew exactly when his time was up. I want you to stand. And every time that we come in here, we don't know if this is our time. And that's when, when I come up here and I, and I, and Pastor John comes up here and I say, we need to worship. 
Come on, we need to, we need to, we need to come out here and, and worship, raise our hands, bow our knees. You know what? God has done so much in our lives. He has delivered. He has set us free. He has healed. He has done and been faithful. He has been a God of perfect timing, a God that is, is righteous. And you know what? We have only but a little bit to offer him. What she did was an offering of sacrifice. What she did was saying, you know what? I, I'm not going to hold anything back from you. I'm not going to hold anything back from, from, from declaring who you are in my life. And so I want you just to think right now tonight. Again, this is a week that is holy. This is a week that we remember what he's done. But it's also a week that we stop and we worship with everything. And church, sometimes we let things in our lives hold us back from really worshiping, whatever it may be. Maybe it's in, that in our head, I can't because of this, or because, you know, the, the, they're gonna they're gonna stare at me weird, or they don't they don't. Or we hold back our our, our true desire in our heart. Our hearts may be pounding. Go up to the altar. Go 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 start. Um, praying for people. Go, go, go be, start sharing the word and the gospel. Go, go to the children's ministry and begin. But you know what? We let allow things to hold us back. Thank you, Lord. Tonight is the night. This week is the week to, to let it all out, to declare to the world that he is king, that he is, he is the, the most intimate person in my life, that he has been the one that has set me free. He has been the one that has delivered me. And I declare it to everybody in my offering, in my, my worship, in my, my love and my devotion to him. Church, this, this church did not set me free. My husband did not set me free. It was Jesus. And I remember so many years thinking, uh, years back, when the Lord did such a mighty work in my life. And I remember sitting in my bathroom floor, just ready, just to just, I'm just done, God. I can't do this anymore. was so tired and I was so ready just like Loretta said I didn't I didn't have that fear anymore I had already tried committing suicide every other year since I was 13 years old and so I was already old or too old and I said you know what I'm just tired I'm just why didn't I just do it and I'm just I'm just ready God and I just I remember just wrestling 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 Jesus came in in the perfect timing in my life and he really healed me he brought the dead to life he didn't look at me for being a woman or knowing better for coming from a good family and still doing my thing he didn't look at me and judge me he just said I want to set you free. So church, ever since then, I said, no, Lord, I can't stop but doing what you asked me to do. And if I look like a fool to people, 
but I have to declare that you are the king. And I have to declare that you're my husband. And I have to declare that you're the one that has healed and saved my soul. 